Hey, it's your prom Mike Shea from Sly Flourish. And today I wanna to talk about ability checks in D&D. &D. Particularly, I wanna talk about ability checks, succeeding at a cost and failing forward when you're running complicated situations in D&D. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash lifeflourish and joining up. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive content, including two exclusive adventures, access to a bunch of Sly Flourish's uncovered secrets and adventure generators, which are very similar to the material you see in the Lazy DM's workbook, and all kinds of other things. But most importantly, you're helping support shows like this. The core mechanic of D&D is described on page six of the player's handbook. It's right up front. And and that core mechanic breaks down to three steps. The DM describes the current situation to their players. The player describes their intended action given that situation. And the DM adjudicates the results. That's really the three steps. And if you think about those three steps in D&D, pretty much an entire D&D adventure comes from a network of those steps. Adventures are basically entire networks of those three steps done over and over again. And it's a very, very powerful interaction. It's very simple, uh, but very powerful. And you can do pretty much anything uh, in there. A, a key to this is we don't know what it's, we don't know what's going to happen. We describe the situation. We know what the situation is, but we don't necessarily know what the player wants their character to do. And they can do pretty much anything. We need to sit back and say, what are they going to do? And then we don't necessarily know what the results will be when it takes place. Most of the time, we don't have to roll an ability check. Many, many times a, a player will describe what they want the character to do and they can just do it, right? If it's easy, if there's no threat or risk, or if it's not where a success or failure isn't going to change the story in an interesting way, we can skip an ability check and just, they just do it. And we should really default to that, right? And only, only when it makes sense do we ask for an ability check. Otherwise, we, if, the, if the player describes something that they can pretty easily do, they just do it. But there are cases where there is a chance for failure and it will propel the story in new and interesting ways depending on that check. And when that's the case, we need to set a difficulty class, a DC for that check. And we need to determine which ability score uh, applies to that. We can figure out what that DC is. I, I have sort of a simple way. There's all kinds of charts and tables that tell you about what the DC should be. But I have a sort of a simpler way to do it, which is if you think about the difficulty of the situation in world, how difficult is this in the world? Is it, a, is it on a scale of one to 10? Is it pretty easy? That's like a one. Is it pretty hard? That's a 10, right? And if you then just add 10. So if you think about like how hard is this lock? Well, if it's a cheap lock on a cheap door, it's probably not very hard. Maybe it's a one or two. So you say it's a DC 12, right? But if this is a lock that the king paid 400 gold to the master locksmith of the, of the city to build, that might be a, an eight out of 10, right? And an eight out of 10, that means it's a DC 18. So we think about it in game. Now here's a key. You do not set the DC based on the abilities of the characters. You set the DC based on, on the circumstances in the world. So it's, it's, it's that same DC, regardless of how good the characters are. You don't say the lock got better because the rogue is really good at picking locks. The lock can't change depending upon the rogue. And we think about it in world. Is it likely grandmother's uh, upper cabinet is locked with a 400 gold piece, really, really good lock? Probably not. It's probably a cheap ass lock, right? So the DC is going to be low, regardless of the fact that the rogue is 15th level and it has a you know, plus 12 on their lock pick skill. We don't, we don't worry about that. In that case, we probably don't need a roll. You say, of course you're able to pick that lock. That's an easy lock for you, no problem. So the DC doesn't change depending on the level of the characters. And keep in mind, we don't necessarily ask for a DC or a roll if the situation is easy enough that they can just do it. Improvising a difficulty check is a really, really powerful tool in our DM's arsenal. And 
figuring out what the results of a check are, are is a really powerful improv tool. It's something we're going to improvise a lot while we're running our games. So figuring out like what what is in this situation, how difficult is the thing that the player is asking to do on a scale of one to 10 and then add 10. And then they make the check and then we tell the result, right? And it's very simple interaction, but it's all very heavy on improvisation, which is a core skill of a good dungeon master. Learning how to improvise DCs and improvise the results based on skill checks is a very good way to be a better DM. It's a, it's a good skill to pick up. So what about complicated situations? Right? There's, there are times where you just want to pick a lock and you either succeed in picking the lock or you have trouble with it and you have to come up with something else. But there are other times where you're doing a big complex operation. So let's say you need to disrupt the ritual of a bunch of cultists who are trying to summon a demon. There's a lot of different ways to interact in that situation. And one skill check isn't necessarily going to spell success or failure. And this is where we want to become, we want to add two tools to our arsenal uh, as a DM, the ability to fail forward, what happens to drive the story forward when a character fails an ability check, and how can you succeed at a cost? What happens when they're either close on a check or they're going to succeed on the check no matter what, but if they, if they roll poorly, there's going to be a cost for their success. These are sort of two sides of the same coin, and, and they are both, uh, again, heavy tools for improvisation in our D&D game. So in complicated situations, instead of having somebody fail completely when they roll a bad check, you want to say, where does it lead to? Like, what complication exists? A complication might be uh, guards outside overhear you attempting to pick the lock and start knocking on the door. Uh, a failure with a cost or a success with a cost could be you convince the king in the plan that you wanted to succeed with, but the viceroy is very suspicious of you now. You want to make sure that you know how to fail forward even on failed ability checks. And you want to know how to succeed with a cost so that one successful cost doesn't completely disrupt an entire situation. So very valuable skills. Now, the fourth edition of D&D had a system called skill challenges, which were intended to handle complex situations like this. Uh, skill challenges were a framework where the DM would establish a number of successes before a number of failures with a set skill list. Uh, and a clear determined outcome for both success and fail and success and failure. It was used for things like complicated traps or rooms full of traps, careful negotiations with NPCs and things like that. But the fourth edition skill challenge had a couple of big problems. One is it paved it was too abstract a set of mechanics to fit the situation that was happening in the world it didn't make sense why it was three failures right it could why isn't it four failures or two failures there could be you know the number of failures could be flexible and the skills that were often selected the players might never choose those right it, it did not fit an evolving situation skill challenges didn't fit an evolving situation you didn't know you don't know what the players are going to attempt to do you don't know what they're going to ask to do and trying to put a heavy set of mechanics around it, it's going to fall apart the minute the players hit it. Far better, in my opinion. If you if you if you want to handle complex interactions in D and D using ability checks, the way to do it is to really understand the situation in the world. How does it work? When you're thinking about that ritual where a bunch of cultists are trying to summon a demon, you want to say like, well, how are they summoning it? What are they doing? What are the different points of interaction that are letting them bring a demon? Do they have four? four cultists that are channeling energy into four necrotic pillars at the same time a fifth cult fanatic is conducting a sacrifice the pain of the sacrifice is drawing the demon out of the abyss and then think about like well how would they potentially disrupt that would they blow up the pillars would they kill the cultists that are channeling the energy do they stop the sacrifice 
And you want to make sure like in the situation, once you've thought about the situation in world, you also want to think about, is there, is there a single point of failure that if they just disrupt this, the whole thing's over? And maybe that's okay, but maybe it needs to be more robust. And you think like getting rid of the sacrifice doesn't close the portal. The demon is still coming out or killing, you know, three of the four cultists might cause a big problem for the ritual, but it doesn't mean the whole ritual is over, right? Maybe the demon's clawing his way out and taking damage from a collapsing portal. So you want to think about how robust the situation is. The key is you want to be thinking about the situation in the world itself. You don't want to be thinking about the mechanics of the situation. You'll figure out the mechanics doing the same thing we just talked about, which is you describe the, the ritual. The player will probably ask qualifying questions to try to understand what's going on. And then they'll make a choice about what they want to do. And then you arbitrate the results. And if the if they say, I want to blow up a pillar or I want to try to smash a pillar, you know, and you say, okay, well, you can do so with a strength athletics check. The pillar's pretty strong, so it's probably a DC 16 to do so. And it'll probably take you a couple of tries, right? Or maybe it's only one try. Maybe they're pretty brittle. So you can decide on the spot what the player would have to do, what the character will have to do to disrupt the ritual. And you want to make sure it's tied to the in-world circumstances of that ritual rather than having a mechanical framework sitting atop it. So sometimes you might determine that a challenge Check is sure to succeed. You have to pick this lock in order to get through the door. The whole adventure falls apart if you can't get through that door. So you know they're going to succeed in getting through the door. The question is how much of a success is it? And in this case, you might not even need to select a DC. You can just say, roll a roll a dexterity check and add your thieves tools prof proficiency to it. And depending on the roll, you say well, how good a job they did, right? Did, did they do it right away with no problem at all? Or was it pretty hard to do and cause a lot of noise or they broke their picks or they had some other problem with it? And they're still going to open it up no matter what. The key is how well they did it. And in this case, we can think of the, instead of having a DC that's either a success or a failure, which we're probably going to do most of the time, sometimes we just want to know how well they did something and we just have them roll and tell us the result. We don't have a DC in mind. This is a really good lazy trick, right? Just ask for a roll and see how it goes. An exa another example of this is you might say, somebody in the group is definitely going to notice something weird going on in this room and they need to in order to, for the story to move forward. So I'm going to have everybody roll a perception check. And I'm going to give the information to the person who rolled the highest. And it doesn't matter if they only rolled like a 12. They're still the ones getting it, right, out of all of them. We don't care what the DC is because we know there's actually no chance for real failure. But we do want to see who's going to be the best at it so that their character can be the one to learn the circumstance or figure out, figure out the result. So the main thing is you don't want your story to, to completely succeed or completely fail on one specific check. And a way to deal with that is to understand how to fail, fail forward or how to succeed with a cost. They're two very powerful tools. So when we think of the core mechanic of D&D, again, reiterating, the DM describes the situation, the player describes what they want their character to do, and the DM arbitrates the results. When we think about that, and we think about how it often leads to an ability check, uh, a DM determines a challenge rating from somewhere probably between you know, 10 and 20 by saying, how hard is this on a scale of one to 10? And then adding 10 to that. It's a really, really powerful tool for us to tell our D&D games. It's kind of the core, it is the core mechanic of D&D. All of the stories that we tell kind of come from the large network of these various checks. The better we are at being able to improvise the results of these checks and understand how they flow into the story, the more fun we're going to have in our game. Think about how you do your ability checks. Uh, think about how you improvise the results based on what the characters decide. Let go of trying to determine what's going to happen before you know what the player is going to describe they, that they want their character to do. Uh, practice, practice ability checks. They're, the, they're probably one of the most profound ways to improve your improvisation skills while you're running your D&D &D games. 
And from that, you're going to find wonderful tales that you're going to be able to share with your friends while playing D&D. I hope this video was useful. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the station. So thank you very much and have a great day and get out there and play some D&D.